The CIO role, it is complex, it is changing, and it is tough. It is, you know, being a CIO, a chief information officer, it is a tough job. And today on episode number 283 of CXO Talk, we are speaking with somebody who quite literally, quite literally has written the book. He wrote the book on this topic. I'm Michael Krigsman. I'm an industry analyst and the host of CXO Talk. I want to say a genuinely heartfelt thank you to Livestream for supporting us. They provide our video streaming infrastructure and they're really, really, really good. If you go to livestream.com slash CXOTalk, they will give you a discount on their plans. Now, before I introduce the guest, I need you to do something for me, please. Tell a friend, tell your, you know, tell your kids and your family and your colleagues, they need to tune into CXO Talk right now, but not only that, they need to subscribe on YouTube. So please subscribe on YouTube, just do me that solid. Without further ado, I'm so thrilled to introduce Isaac Sakolik, who is a multi-time CIO. He writes the Star CIO blog, and he has written a book called Driving Digital. Isaac, how are you? Thanks for being here today with us. Thanks for having me. I'm really happy to be uh, meeting your audience and talking about the role of the CIO and talking about the role of digital transformation in our current agenda. Well, these are important topics. If you're interested in technology in the enterprise, and especially if you're a CIO, better be thinking about these things. So, so Isaac, let's start with, uh, very briefly, tell us about your, your background. Yeah, so I, I have an interesting background. I actually did undergraduate and graduate work in artificial intelligence. And then I did about 10 years of startups, including some work in media, uh, working with newspapers and doing a startup there. Uh, and then I pivoted my career. I became a CIO um, in an enterprise that was looking to build customer-facing applications. I started with uh, Business Week, uh, and I helped them uh, really change how they were working with subscribers and advertisers and went on to work in, uh, in a B2B software data company called uh, McGraw-Hill Construction and then went off to work in a financial services uh, 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 financial services company also doing data and analytics. So you've been a, so you've been a CIO three times. Three times in ten years. Okay, and then you wrote a book called Driving Digital. So why did you write this book? Uh, I felt like I had to. I had been involved in transformation work um, for ten years. I had put together a set of practices that I thought were really important. I had spoken um, at conferences about why digital transformation was going to hit other industries, and it certainly has over the last few years. Uh, I knew it was changing the role of the CIO um, in terms of going from back office to front office. And I thought I had come up with a set of guidelines around things that CIOs need to do better at uh, agile, becoming a data-driven organization, building up product management practices, 
Um, and so I felt compelled to take things I was talking about and writing about on my blog and put it into a format that people could use as a playbook. And that's essentially what driving digital is. Okay. So you, you mentioned looking at things that CIOs need to do better. So of course that begs the questions, what do CIOs need to do better and why, why? So, so tell us about that. So, you know, uh, the world has changed. I mean, our businesses can't operate the way they have been the last five years. Uh, there are new companies coming into our space that are competing with us beyond just startups. Um, there's technologies that are dramatically changing the customer experience. Um, there's our competitors who are getting smarter with how they're using analytics and data uh, to really optimize what their messaging is when they're marketing, all the way down to how they're operating and what they're automating. Um, and, you know, CIOs 10 years ago, you know, managing the data center, managing the infrastructure and keeping things running was probably good enough. And when you look at it today, just, you know, just yesterday, Wall Street Journal talked about a KPMG study saying CIOs are expected to drive growth and drive re revenue through innovation. And that means being able to build customer-facing applications. It means providing analytics that are self-serving to the organization so that they can find answers to the questions that they have. It means looking at emerging technologies and figuring out where the market is going to be in five to 10 years and bringing that vision to the C-suite and to the board and telling them, you know, here's what's AI is going to do for us, or here's what blockchain is going to do for us, or here's what the impact of automated vehicles or smart uh, cities are going to be. Uh, and, you know, we could see what the difficulties are and, and challenges in getting to those technologies. But we know that, you know, the investment takes time to build up and we have to project that future back to our audience, to our um, to, to our colleagues and say, these are the things that we have to start taking on now so that we're more competitive over the next few years. So why is that so difficult for CIOs to do? Well, you know, first is, you know, it, ha it starts with just getting out of the office and building up a perspective that our colleagues have done over the years. It means meeting customers uh, of different types and not only learning how they're using the products and services that exist, but understanding what their pain points are and understanding what their alternatives are, um, under, you know, have a perspective of where their business is going. Um, and then talking to people who are everything from general managers who are running businesses as they exist today and are incentive um, for short-term gains and, and working with customers for satisfaction um, and working with the people that report to them in terms of how they sell products, how they market products, uh, what the operations look like around a product and help define what that digital business is going to look like three, five, and even 12 years from now. Um, CIOs cannot do that by just looking at uptime reports you know, out getting out into the field, getting out viewing customers, going out to uh, uh, trade shows where you can learn from other industries in terms of how they're applying technologies. Right. You know, building up an ecosystem of partners that you can work with. These are the things CIOs have to do. And it's a lot of work because you got to do the run the business part and also go out and become a customer facing mm -hmm. spokesperson right. for what your company is trying to do over the next few years. 
I want to remind everybody we are talking with Isaac Sokolik, who is the author of the book Driving Digital, which offers advice to chief information officers. Right now, there is a tweet chat taking place using the hashtag CXOTalk. And please jump in with your questions and your comments on the role of the CIO. So, so Isaac, I guess the, the basic question that I have is, again, why is it so difficult for CIOs to think about their work from a customer-facing perspective? Is it historically the training of CIOs? Is it something in the technical mindset? Why do they have, why do CIOs have had so much difficulty with this historically? Yeah, so I think it's a double-edged mindset, right? We were educated to follow the business. The business was the lead, and we would come in and support the business in terms of what they wanted to do. And the reverse also occurred, right? The Our business colleagues really didn't like hearing from the CIO in terms of what we thought the business was going to do or what solutions or technologies we wanted to put in place. Um, we had to break out of that mold, uh, first by understanding a little bit more about what our business does and what our marketplace needs and what customers want. But we have to build different types of relationships with, you know, with our business colleagues and not talk about mobile devices or, you know, the latest security threat. We have to talk in their language about where growth is going to come from, um, what new types of of competition might exist in their market over the next few years or what the impact of a specific technology might be in their uh, coming up over the next few years. That's, that's a dialogue. I mean, a lot of us are introverts. We're not facing, uh, you know, we're not spokespeople as much as we'd like to be. And, you know, getting out of that shell and um, really coming up with a perspective and selling a perspective, right? We're not sellers, we're not mar we're not marketers, but coming up and saying, look, I think this is where we need to be over the next three to five years, because I've done a lot of listening around this, and then retune that pitch, that vision, based on the feedback that I get from my colleagues so that they're always seeing a few steps ahead of where we where they need to be. And then I got to come back to them with a plan, right? A CIO coming with, here's where things are going to be three to five years without a plan is useless. We can't get away with that. They expect us to have a roadmap. They expect us to know what technologies we might use. They expect us to put a process together that will get their colleagues on board with a solution and help with the change management process. So that all combination of things is essentially what makes it hard. So correct me if I'm wrong. So so really what you're describing are personal characteristics that many CIOs possess towards being an introvert, towards looking at uh, the technology rather than the business issues. Is that an accurate, is what I'm saying accurate? I think it's accurate, but I, you know, I meet a lot of CIOs at conferences. I think in the last two or three years, it's gotten a lot better. You know, we're not talking about, you know, an extra nine of uptime anymore. And we're not talking about, you know, the improved latency a storage solution might give us. We're, we're, we're talking about, well, you know, if, if we want to bring self-service technologies into the organization, 
how are we going to get people to use a new set of tools effectively um, so that they can actually get business value out of it? The, you know, the, the entire set of conversations are very different. We're not talking about, not just about uh, how to run Scrum and how to hire Scrum masters. We're talking about how do we organize multiple teams geographically that are going to orchestrate different products coming out at different times you, leveraging the same technology platform. So we get, you know, some scale and, and uh, value out of all the learnings that we do with our technologies. So I think it, it's changed a lot over the last couple of years in particular. Um, I think we still have a way to go as, uh, as uh, an or, you know, a, as uh, someone sitting at the C-suite. I think we're going to feel um, the, you know, some of the impacts of security and how to represent that and how to sell those ideas um, into the board. I think we're going to feel the impacts in some organizations that elect to hire chief digital officers and how do we partner with them um, and work with them to get the same business results. Um, so I, I think, you know, the role is definitely going through a change, but I, I think as a, as a group, we've gotten better at representing business functions than technology and how they operate. So, so before we move on to the, to the positive attributes, my, I, I just want to query you to what extent is this kind of uh, old way of thinking still prevalent? And, and I call it a digital CIO or an innovative CIO versus a traditional CIO. I'm not sure if that's the right terminology, but that's what I call it. So to what extent is this still a big issue? I think it varies. I mean, when you, you know, CIOs who are working in large organizations with multiple businesses, with multiple GMs, with, you know, different people working underneath them, you're going to find a spectrum of people who are very supportive of the ideas coming out of the CIO that want a partner um, that can express their business needs in terms of opportunities and problems and are open to working with the CIO in terms of what solutions are applicable and you know what the organizational structure needs to be and the project structures need to be to actually execute. Um, so we're going to have some early adopters, some people who are really supportive of what we're trying to do. Uh, we're also going to have some people who are less supportive, who are antagonistic, um, I talk about it in the book I, and on my blog. I call them detractors, um, those that are probably making a good living off of how the business is operating today, maybe in the later stages of their career, and maybe don't really like technology in general. You know, maybe they don't like the, you know what the impact of social or artificial intelligence is on their business and how things are running today are just fine. And, you know, the reality is the CIO has to, number one, get some wins out of their early adopters and show some progress and, and, and show how they're operating with those early adopters. But at some level, you're going to hit some general managers who are operating significant parts of the business. And, you know, you're going to have to find people in their organization that are willing to make changes, that are willing to sign up and do pro proof of concepts or to look at data a little bit differently and build from the bottom up a group of people who will be supportive of doing changes in those legacy but important businesses where maybe the leader isn't as supportive. So inevitably, if a CIO does not adapt 
to the kind of changes that you're describing, she, she or he will become less and less and less relevant to the business over time. Is that another way of stating what you just described? Oh, it's, I don't have to state it. It's a reality. I mean, you, uh, there's a few ways it can happen. Um, you know, the CIO that's just keeping the lights on is eventually going to be replaced. There's something that's going to happen to that business where the CEO or the board are going to look for somebody who can really bring technology to a point where it's a competitive advantage or at least on par with their competitors or at least can deliver change that they're expecting. Um, that's a very common thing to happen, uh, unfortunately, but uh, that's one way they, the CIO and their role can get disrupted. Um, you can hire as a CIO to get some digital skills on your team if you don't have it yourself. Uh, if you don't, uh, and particularly if there's a lot of in B2C companies, you have the hirings of chief digital officers, and some of them are great partners for CIOs and others slowly chip away at the strategic areas that the CIO owns uh, and leave really the infrastructure that's left, right? Start with moving app dev over and moving customer facing um, um, application development over, maybe doing a little rogue IT if they don't really like the tools the CIO is providing, then chip away and maybe pull over the CRM or the marketing tools so that they can get an end-to-end customer view. And slowly what ends up happening is the CIO is left with help desk and a few maybe running the ERP um, and that gets outsourced at that point. Um, So, you know, CIOs who aren't moving fast enough, I talk about that in the book, moving smarter and faster, um, are likely themselves to get disrupted. And uh, the organization is expecting the CIO to be that digital leader, to really bring not just a, a strategy and the ideas, but the execution, which is, you know, traditionally our strong point is our ability to execute against a change plan that involves technology moving our organizations forward. That's really uh, a very interesting way. It's a very insightful way of looking at it. So so essentially what you're saying is a CIO who is not able to adapt is going to lose control and lose relevancy in a, we could say, death by a thousand cuts. <laughs> uh, I, I think that's what, I think that's been the history over the last couple of years. I think if we had a executive recruiter um, sitting with us, that's, you know, I think there's a big part of their business over the last few years has been uh, working through those transitions. Uh, I think it's part of the reason the chief digital officer role emerged um, in some organizations. They wanted somebody um, who could represent digital and not just technology. Um, even in one of my roles, um, I rebranded the IT group and we called ourselves the digital organization because we wanted the entire um, team, the entire company to view us differently and to partner with us differently. Um, and so we called ourselves the digital organization as part of that. So there's a marketing element. So it's not just doing the substantive work, but there's also a communication component to this as well. Absolutely. I think actually there's two of roles there. There's communications and marketing. I think marketing comes first, right? It's easy to find some people in the organization who are willing to partner with you and um, take on a role in a program that's going to in its early days. 
Um, I think part of the role of the CIO is to find those people and understand their skill sets and mo- what motivates them and get them involved in some of these programs. But as those programs get bigger, you're going to start getting more people across the organization involved. You know, you can't put a new technology out that's customer facing without having marketing and sales involved. You can't do something internally without maybe somebody in operations or even HR involved with it. Um, So that audience that's going to be involved in your change program is going to grow over time. And so first, you need to market what your program is about, what its goals are, what you're trying to accomplish, so that when you start talking to, you know, the next 10, 20, 50 people in the organization, that they know what you're about and very quickly will give you indications whether they want to be a part of it or not. And that's what you need. You need them to understand the goals and what, you know, what the mission is and to really want to be a part of that. That's the marketing role. The communication role is to make sure that people, whether they're participating or not in the program, know what the status is, know where you're going short and long term, can hear about the success of the people in the in the program and what they're accomplishing, but also explain some of the speed bumps and some of the failures when they come about. Because transformation just isn't easy. It isn't a, a script that you go follow. Um, we usually apply agile principles to them. So we're going to make some mistakes going left and right. And it's important for people to know, hey, we're, we're learning as we go. Um, that's part of what we're trying to accomplish is learn from the new people who join the project, learn from customers at the same time, and put that feedback into our programs and adjust our goals and our mission as we learn through them. So that's the communication part. And I think they're both really new skills, particularly in smaller IT organizations that may not have a marketing communication skill on the IT squad. And there needs to be somebody, maybe it's somebody from the PMO, maybe it's the CIO themselves that needs to take on those roles uh, and make sure the organization understands what's uh, what's their future and what they're working on. I want to remind everybody, we are speaking with Isaac Sokolnik, who is the Star CIO. He writes the Star CIO blog, and he has just written a book called Driving Digital. He is a three-time serial chief information officer. And right now, there is a tweet chat taking place on Twitter using the hashtag CXO talk. So Isaac, I'm utterly confused about what I think is an important point, okay? The CIO, information technology, right? It's about technology. And what you have just told us is that in fact, the role is about, yes, a little bit of technology, but about communication, about marketing, about getting people on the same page. And I'm a technologist, and that's what I want to do, and why the hell should I do any of these other things that you're saying? Yeah, well, I think you hit it right on the nose. It's really about people first, you know, and um, getting people to leverage technology and leverage information in ways that, you know, go beyond the traditional ways they have done it before. Um, That's really a fairly large change mindset in terms of the people that you're working with, including that person that wants to sit behind a screen and code all day, or wants to sit behind a screen and make sure the infrastructure is running okay every day, 
um, or just likes working with technology in general and, you know, finding the next, you know, node library or the next uh, NoSQL technology that might be interesting in the organization. And if you talk to those people, because you have to as a CIO, right, you have to bring your own staff on board with this program, you know, they will realize that when they are doing those things, they have to get their colleagues involved with it. You know, they have to understand what that they are building if they're coding so that other people can leverage that code and build upon it. Um, if they're building systems out, right, we want standardized systems so that you know, they, they, they have some consistency to them. In fact, a lot of us are investing in DevOps and automation to enable some of those things. Um, so it's definitely a new mindset. It's a new culture within IT uh, to be thinking this way. Uh, CIOs do spend time talking to their staff a lot more about this than they've ever done before. Uh, because it's not, you know, even with something like Agile, right? Agile is just not about running scrum meetings and stand-ups and just getting things done. It's about getting the right things done the right way and working as a team um, and learning new skill sets in the middle of it. And that's a mindset that's very different in IT organizations that very often were ticket-based, right? Tickets came in, we looked at them, Idle said that we responded to them, we had an incident rate and a response rate against those things you know, very machine oriented. Hey, listen, I'm a happy legacy CIO. <laughs> That's what I do. I respond to trouble tickets and I like it and I don't want to do any of this other stuff. Anyway, uh, but that's just me. And then again, I'm not a CIO, so I guess I'd be a lousy CIO. Uh, we have a question from, uh, from, from Twitter, from Mario Lopez. And Mario Lopez says, with boards obviously missing knowledge of IT and information security, with both CIOs and chief information security officers knowing this, why aren't CIOs and CISOs demanding to get a seat at that table? I think the first thing is, I don't think we can demand getting seats at tables. You know, we have to earn them. Um, I think, you know, we have to gain the respect of them. And, you know, part is at the board level, uh, you don't get to meet board relationships unless you're invited to uh, to speak at them. So I think the way you get there is as a CIO is when you're making presentations just to your management team, to the executive team, you know, they know they need to know that you can make presentations um, at their level unfiltered that are appropriate for board conversations, right? The CEO does not have the time to go filter what you're building for the board. And they need to be spoken to at a, at a different level. In particular, when it comes to things like security and data governance, uh, you know, the things that are operationally sensitive that require, you know, people to do things differently, require technologies to uh, be in place um, and are not things that are moving the business forward from a revenue perspective or a growth perspective, you know, you need to be able to talk about where those technologies and where those practices are really at risk in your organization and why, and show that you can make a, a priority investment. What areas of governance and security are clearly important for the organization and how it's going to impact things and how you're going to potentially even tell a growth story 
uh, from the, some of those investments. So I, I think that's the path CIOs have to follow to be able to get those board seats. Um, I think, you know, over time, um, you know, I think we're going to see more CIOs who have been digitally focused or security focused get invited to take on board seats of other companies. I think that will also happen. I think that's also a good trend for our industry and our role is to have people with some technology and security background on boards. Uh, But I think the way you get there one way or the other is you are presenting yourself in a way uh, particularly at the executive level, in a way that they feel comfortable that you can sit in front of the board with them. So again, it's not just the technology that you're describing at that level. It's fundamentally about the ability to make investment, to demonstrate that you have that you know how to make investment decisions, large investment decisions with the right judgment, and then communicate it properly. That's right. Right. I mean, that's back to the marketing and the selling of the concept, if you're going to talk to the board um, over, you know, a a sizable technology investment, you know, putting an entire data pipeline in place or uh, cornering off a group to do artificial intelligence or taking, you know, 30 uh, of your plants and putting IoT in place, right? You know, I just talked a whole bunch of gibberish to most board members. They have no idea what I just said. Right. If I'm going to talk to the board and say our plant is going to be greener and more sustainable and we're going to be able to market a story around this to our customers so they understand that we care about these things. And I'm going to tell you how we're going to implement technology in the plant to become greener. Right. That is a different conversation. You know, we talk about artificial intelligence. It's not about, you know, deep learning or neural networks or natural language processing. Those are all the tools we're using to get there. We talk about how it's going to make it easier for customers coming into our store to make second and third purchases once they're in there because we know what they're looking for a little bit. We know the time of the day, the time of the month. We know a little bit about what they were searching online and we can present ideas to them. You know, these are the things that drive second and third purchase behaviors. That's what artificial intelligence can do. Right. That's a different conversation than speaking to, you know, what a big data in environment is going to do for uh, for our infrastructure. I think this is a very key point, Isaac, that you're bringing up. And so how can CIOs who have been in the job for a while and who have focused on technology because that was what it was expected, how can yeah. they learn these kinds of uh, both the communication skills, but but more importantly, the judgment behind it, because that's really getting to the heart of what you were just describing, I think. Yeah. So we talked a couple of those themes already, right? Getting out of the office, going to customers, going to conferences and learning from other industries, um, relying on your vendors and your analysts to tell you new things. I, I think I'm, I'll, I'll shift it a little bit. I think CIOs also have to focus on their staff. Um, and also the greater organization itself in terms of becoming a learning organization. And I'm not talking about training on the next technology, right? Those are, those are important things. Learning implies that somebody on my staff is voluntarily going to realize that, you know, we have a lot of content in our repositories that are really interesting, but we can't do very much with it. How can we you know, use artificial intelligence to bring that insights to a larger number of people in our organization. What is the right way to implement it? What are some of the technologies that we can look at? How do I sponsor a pilot around this? 
So we have to change our mindset uh, in terms of how we're working with the staff and let them learn and be smarter about bringing solutions to us. There's just too much technology out there for the CIO to learn on their own, right? For us to learn, we need to go to 10, 20, 100 people in our staff who are innovative, who are exploring different things and say, tell me something that is interesting that you're doing that we can find applicability to. And then our job is to figure out, hey, I know somebody in the organization who needs this. Here's the problem we really need to solve. Or, um, you know, here's somebody we need to pilot with. And here's a group of people I want you to work with on this problem. That, that's the, what the CIO needs to respond to there. Yeah, that's a, I think that's really first-rate advice. So if you don't have the skills you hire for innovation, essentially, on whether it's communication, technology, all of all of these things. You hire the right people and you get the right kind of support. I think it's more than just hiring, right? So I think it's a there's five things CIOs need to do to look at talent. Hiring is a is a is a piece of it. We understand that piece of it. I think learning and establishing a learning culture is another part of it. Right, we you know we have staffs of hundred to five hundred people. We're not going to replace them with DevOps AI engineers overnight. Uh, we need some of them to step up and learn the culture, the mindset, the technologies, the practices, um, and that really requires a learning organization. It requires CIOs to think differently about partners. Right, where can I get a partner who understands a capability that we are unlikely to learn? Because we brought, we were brought up find partners who can take over commodity services for us. Right, that was our partnering strategy for the most part. Now we have to find partners who can bring a capability that we'll never get to, um, and learn from them, and then maybe do something differently in three to five years. In some cases, we have to bring technologies down to our business group, things that we used to do internally um, inside the IT group and give that capability to the business to do it themselves. You know, so those are things like self-service business intelligence, things that, you know, we might have put, you know, a Cognos or a business objects in the IT group and did a lot of reporting five to 10 years ago. Now we're putting things like Tableau out. We want hundreds of people in our organizations to start using these things in safer ways than they might have done in Excel. Um, and so we need to provide governance and practices to them so that they know how to use these technologies differently. So new ways to bring technical capabilities into the organization um, go well beyond just hiring for new people. So, so when we talk about the digital agenda, why is that so important for the CIO and where do the challenges lie for the CIO with that? Yeah. So, you know, again, my background in being a CTO at startups, you know, startups are still trying to challenge the status quo that hasn't changed. What has changed is that larger organizations are changing their marketing positions and the types of products that they're investing in. Um, so everybody is at risk at being disrupted. Um, the impacts of technologies are, you know, the top industries that we think are going to be disrupted by technology over the next 10 years include financial services, they include healthcare, they include automotive, uh, right? So we're not talking about just technology companies that have to grow beyond today's technology or media that was disrupted because most of our media consumption is now digital. It's really affecting every organization. And um, 
you know, what that really requires is to rethink what the business is going to look like three, five, seven years down the road. And inevitably, um, a technology capability is going to be part of that. Uh, and changing people's behavior in terms of how they're working with that technology, learning what the end consumer really requires, right? I, you know, I, I could just imagine, you know, I don't know this firsthand, but imagine you're sitting with Starbucks and somebody comes to the idea of mobile ordering a cup of coffee. What a crazy idea. You're going to go, be in your phone. You're going to order a cup of coffee. You could just go online, wait five minutes, get the same cup of coffee. But that was a brilliant idea. We all went to Starbucks more because we knew that cup of coffee would be waiting for us uh, when we got there. And we didn't have to wait online. And so we ordered more coffee from Starbucks when that happened. Um, lots of different examples of changing consumer behaviors based on the fact that somebody figured out a way to offer a convenience that was never there before. Uh, and that's digital and that's digital disruption. And that means the CIO who knows most about technology has to present ideas back to their business partners about things that we might need to be able to go look and do over the next few years to be, a, be competitive. Okay, so now the pieces are falling into place. So you need to, so the CIO must understand technology, but it's not just the old technology, it's the technology that drives and enables innovation. And the CIO must understand the business dynamics and equally important, the CIO must be able to communicate that. And equally important, the CIO must be able to hire, uh, hire the right people. And not only that, create a learning organization and the mindset that you were just describing. Oh, I got one more for you too, right? So, you know, the interesting about digital, once an organization gets it, you know, the CIO is going to get a little bit of funding usually and a little bit of a time window to be able to go implement some of these transformations and technologies. And then the marketing and the communication needs to be there because we're not, we're going to get a few quick wins. We're going to also hit some speed bumps along the way. So we need our relationships and communications and marketing to move the program faster uh, without hit, letting those speed bumps slow us down completely and coming to a halt. But at some point, we need to start showing growth. We need to start showing ROI. The the uh, detractors in our organization are also, uh, you know, going to get a louder voice as we get more speed bumps um, and things that don't go exactly as planned. Um, and so it's going to be a little bit harder for us to get money um, if it takes longer than we all wanted to. And let's just face it, transformations do take a long time. This is not an 18-month program, and then things are going to be better and go back to normal. Um, so we need to find ways to automate more. Uh, we need to automate IT with programs like DevOps. We need to automate um, our staff with things like artificial intelligence uh, and take cost out at the same time. The thing that we always were good at, um, we have to be even better at. So there's that dimension in there as well. We're about to run out of time. We have only five minutes left. So very, very quickly, can you just comment on this notion of you, CIO, needs to innovate. You need to drive growth. And oh, by the way, your budget's too big. Doing more with less. So very quickly, can you just, just comment on that? 
you know, I think CIOs have to be prepared for that to happen, right? If you think you're just going to get, you know, a 10% boost, you're going to run an innovation budget, um, and that's how you're going to project this growth, but not look at your entire portfolio and ask tough questions about how you're operating and look at your colleagues in terms of where they can benefit from technology so that they can be uh, a little bit more efficient. Um, these are the things that we've traditionally been good at, but we have to be even better at it because we can't just add five new technologies and keep the five legacy ones running. We're not going to end up with double the staff to keep running double the size of portfolio of technologies. <laughs> so, so essentially more aggressive portfolio management in terms of prioritizing what works, what doesn't work, and what you should keep and what you need to make a painful cut on. CIOs have to be really good going out and sponsoring the sunset and shutdown programs, things that are not working well. You know, their sponsors are not going to volunteer that information and the CIO needs to find the ones that are not moving the business forward uh, and suggest and make a business case to shut down things that are just not working anymore. So, low-code environment, citizen development, what's the deal with that and should we care and why should we care? I think it's probably the most important tool, uh, technology tool that CIOs need to look at. Again, they need to do a lot more app dev. They need to change the way the workforce is operating. We do not have enough staff to do that, right? Our staff who are strong at app dev really need to focus on the customer facing pieces, the things that are going to uh, move the uh, move the needle, as they say. Um, and so, you know, building tools for, you know, managing customers, for dealing with knowledge bases, for doing workflows, uh, for integrating eight enterprise data sources into a, a single utility that can be used for a one-time purpose. Um, all these use cases are great use cases for low-code environments where you can get developers to be more productive. Um, and even citizen development programs, those are when you actually take the programming capability, take tools and give it to business users and say, go ahead and build your own app to do digital asset management because it'll be better than a spreadsheet. And there are tools out there that'll help them do that. And what about the fact that the moment I let the unwashed masses of users start touching code, I get all sorts of messiness around governance, security, data, integration? How do I manage that? Uh, CIOs have to stop using the word governance. They have to implement governance in a way that people understand it, right? So we know what governance is. It's things like version control. It's things like locking down information to the right people who need access to it. It's things like improving data quality. Go back and solve those problems, in particular when you give out a new technology to a business group, right? So if I give you know, Excel out and hundreds of thousands of spreadsheets are created. And then I replace it with Tableau and a hundred thousand reports get created. I really, maybe I've improved the experience and made the company more intelligent, but I've got a large legacy to deal with. So provide the tools that do things in a safe way, in a controlled way, in a practiced way. That's really what governance is about. Our end users don't understand that so that we have, we have to help them with the actual understanding of the practices they need to implement. I'm halting, I'm hesitating because, you know, that that term governance, I mean, the, the larger principle here, again, comes back to 
a, a relentless focus on clear communication. Absolutely. Right. So I'll, I've done this, right? If, if an organization doesn't understand data quality, I will put a picture, I will show what's in the CRM directly across sales leaders and the CEO, and they will start seeing what data quality looks like when they see duplicate customer records, when they see pipelines that haven't been updated by salespeople over time. That is a data quality issue. It's a governance issue. Um, it, it can have some automation to it um, to make it easier on people. But if I went to the CEO and the head of sales and say, I want to apply data governance to data governance to how we're uh, managing our CRM and our customer data, they're th- going to think I have three heads on. You got to demonstrate the problem and let them understand the impact of the problem and say, I can come here with some tools and practices and responsibilities to improve on that particular problem. Here's what the impact is going to be when we do that. Okay, this is all just just outstanding advice. So as we finish up, what what final, out of, out of everything that you know, if you were sitting down to a CIO and saying, you know, here is the key to the kingdom, what's the magic that will make them... What's the magic bullet here? Magic bullet is to do a ton of listening, open your ears up to lots of different places where you can learn from in short amount of times, and then make suggestions and proposals. Go back to them and say, hey, what if we did this? Hey, what if we partnered with this group? What if we piloted something that looks like this? Do the pilot and show people the pilot. So take some chances and extend what you're doing to show a potential thing that you can go invest in, that you can go and execute on, and then listen back. Listen if you're heading in the right direction. Listen for feedback in terms of things they'd rather see. Um, And then continue to do that over and over again until you start evolving to a solution and to an idea that people really resonate to. That could be your business strategy for digital. That could be a way of delivering a solution to a difficult problem. But that feedback loop of listen, propose solutions, listen again, propose again is what I would advise CIOs to be doing today. So in other words, listen, collaborate, iterate. Yes. That's the agile CIO for you. (laughs) Listen, collaborate, iterate. I love it. Well, this has been a very fast 45 minutes. We have been speaking with Isaac Sokolik, who is the author of Driving Digital, and he writes the Star CIO blog. Isaac, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge with us and taking time today. Thanks, everybody, and everybody have a good holiday weekend. Right now is the time. Subscribe on YouTube. You can like us on Facebook, but really subscribe on YouTube, please. Next week on CXO Talk, we are speaking with the Chief Marketing Officer for Deloitte, one of the largest organizations in the world. Tune in, go to cxotalk.com to keep abreast with what's happening. Thank you so much, everybody. And thank you to our guest, Isaac Sokolik. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Bye-bye.